Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. I just got a pair of barefoot shoes boots. They're different, man. They're they're wide and they're flat-soled, made of really high-quality leather, and it is a unique feel on the foot. I like them. They're unique because they give you the ability to feel the ground as you're out in the field, as most hunting boots have a thicker outsole, which disconnects you from the terrain. Use code BEAR at barefoot.store to receive 10% off your purchase. That's BEAR, B-E-A-R, foot.store, and use code BEAR. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. All right. (laughs) Welcome to the Bear Grease Render. Mm. Before I get into introductions, which I am going to do, I uh I've got to I've got to admit we've got some major problems. <clears throat> major problems. I still have grown men almost every day sending me pictures of panthers of large <laughs> black cats. I don't see what the problem is. When are you going to stop ignoring the evidence? Listen, they're all coming from Gary. No, no, listen, listen. They they send me pictures and like don't say anything. Just like a picture, and it's like clearly a real black large cat, and it's as if they're saying, "Clay, do you not get it that there are such thing as black panthers?" Okay, what my point is, I am I am highly aware that there are. Large black cats in the world, okay? And if what I am saying is that there is no such please thing stop. as a black mountain lion. You're saying, please stop. That's what, you're <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's saying. For the love of humanity, please stop. <laughs> please stop. No, I did. I actually did get a really good uh, a guy. Now, this, this I appreciate. A guy sent me a video yesterday. And he gave no explanation. It was just a video on Instagram. It was his grandmother. And I didn't, I didn't, it was someone I didn't know. It was this picture, it was this video of this like perfect Southern grandmother. And she's sweeping in her little kitchen. And you know, the decor in the house, you could have just walked in there, any one of us, and we've just been like, this is my grandmother's house. Right. I can't figure out and, this has got a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, I'm like where's this going? <laughs> yeah, and... And she is telling a story and clearly doesn't know she's being videoed. And oh. she's telling a story about a black panther. I mean, just like, I mean, just giving this guy like what for? Just like, your grandfather was, he was hunting over here and she's sweeping. She's got her back to the camera. She's sweeping. And, and a black panther walked out and she saw it. And I saw the tail of a black panther one time. And I mean, she's just like, I mean, there's no room for like, was it true? Was it not? It was just like, 
this is the truth. I, I no no explanation from the guy. He just sent me the pic, the, this video of his grandmother, as if to say, "You wrong, Clay Newcomb. <laughs> what, else, what else do you need? <laughs> you calling my grandmother a liar?" <laughs> and then I went to the guy's profile and uh, shout out to him. Uh, he was from he was from East Tennessee. Okay, well, there's tons I, I, I of appreciate, black I appreciated there. that a lot. No, welcome to the Bear Grease Render. I've got uh, I've got to my left Brent Reeves, who. Hey, is going to give a. I'm going to ask him to do something here in a minute. To his directly to his well, left. That's quite an is introduction. Joshua Spillmaker. That's me. Josh, um, there was uh, the land bridge is catching on. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I need my own T-shirt. Uh, I need uh, my own hat, man. <laughs> hey, people start hashtagging land bridge. All right. You think that would a while ago? You should use your power. I'm going to put. Good, a, I'm going to put a picture of Josh Spillmaker on my Instagram, just to show you guys what I'm talking about. I'm getting a tattoo. Land bridge. <laughs> yeah. It, okay. Your face, so Josh's right left is Doctor Daniel Roop. Hey, welcome, Doctor Roop. Good to be here. Good to see you. And hey, back from where he was, my dad, Gary Newcomb. Good to see you, Dad. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yep. Dad has been known to almost daily send me videos of black <laughs> felines. <laughs> I think he understands what I'm talking about. Oh, though. yeah. Hey, we got a new we got a new guest on the render. This is exciting. This is exciting news. Especially exciting a, for me. We have a new a new guest. And I want all of you to feel the pressure of this, okay? Oh, man. This is becoming like chopped. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. There are some faces here that I don't see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, where they line up the chefs? Yeah. Uh-huh. And like, yeah. like they critique them and, they, and it's like <laughs> chopped, okay? And we're not going to say, you know, who's not here today. Um, but <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. You know what? This is really sad. The reason we have to limit the number of people in this room is because of technical issues. I've got six headsets. No, I, 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 here's what exactly what I did because Josh and Malachi are like, uh, such good friends of mine. I, e- I messaged them both, Daniel, I messaged them both on a, on a, on a message and said, Hey boys, I really want my my friend, I'm not going to say his name yet, to come to the render. Would one of you guys be willing to not come? To graciously bow out. Do you know the first test, text message I got was Josh Spillmaker saying, it ain't going to be me. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. He was like, nope. And so I actually you- sent him a meme of, of Dan, uh, uh, Dana Carvey doing doing the George Bush not senior gonna do it. not gonna do it <laughs> yeah. not gonna do it and so Malachi picked up his phone like an hour later and was like well thank goodness okay I guess I won't come <laughs> yeah he was relieved oh no so our new guest is Forrest Teeter Woo, howdy Forrest everybody Teeter. Welcome, what a man. name Thanks. what a I name I yeah. appreciate it yeah yeah no I doubt I feel like Josh you should be a country singer country singer I'm glad you don't later. have a mustache for us because well, I would have some serious. Believe me, I would if I could grow one. This is like I feel kind of oppressed by this room right now. He and I, he and I got something in common here. But yeah, this Gary, is, I you and Gary are the only clean-shaven ones. I I ain't got much to show here, really. You're the only two that actually held real jobs in your life, too. <laughs> I was forced into it. <laughs> no, hey, okay. Me and Forrest have a very complicated web of relationship, okay? Because in prison it, it, together. <laughs> <laughs> no. How old are you, Forrest? I'm 25. 25? I told him you were 30. Really? Yeah. So we uh, we met after I killed my first black bear, my cinnamon bear from uh, up so in the Ozarks. It was, it was during a time when I was recruiting stories for, for Arkansas Black Bear Association. Oh, yeah. And this kid killed this bear. And so I was like, hey, dude, would you like to write a story for he us? He did. I was in 11th grade, and that was like, I was like, man, I'm going to be famous. <laughs> yeah, man. How many years Arkansas ago was Baron that? That's almost 10 years ago, probably nine 10 years, years ago. 10 years ago. Okay. The story continues. So we become buddies because he writes this story, you know, just like kind of like social media buddies. And then you killed a big deer. I did. He killed a 160-inch deer. Holy and uh could you so, send me a, a pen of where that was? Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll share it. <laughs> he killed a 160-inch deer. I said, hey, how about we do a story on this deer? Now, did you write this story? I did, yep. I you wrote, wrote the story. story. Okay, so he comes up here and he brings his dad. And we, we have a great time and hit it off. About that time, 
I needed somebody to go with me to Idaho to film a mountain lion hunt. And so I didn't I, know you went on that trip. I did. It was just it was just like the right moment. It was like, man, I bet I bet Forrest would like to go with me to oh, film yeah. that mountain lion hunt. I think how I, old were you? I was I think a sophomore in college, so it had it had been a while. Uh so probably 20 years old, something like that. I yeah. think I was more excited than you were. I remember I was like, texting you, I was like, you yeah, ready yeah. for this, man? You ready for this? Like, I'm so, I'm so excited. He's like, and he, I remember he told me at one point, he was like, man, I need you to weigh your expectations. Just a very, you know, level-headed thing to say, but I need you to weigh your expectations. A lot of factors, the snow and everything. I was like, all right, reel it back, reel it in, reel it in, you know. Yeah. But it was, it was cool. It was so cool. Okay. We're moving forward now. So we go to Idaho and have a great time. And I killed a mountain lion with a traditional bow. Yep. We made a film that's got like 600,000 views on Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel. You can check it out. So Forrest filmed all that. And it was a tough hunt. It was cold. And it was really neat. Okay. The story continues. <laughs> he, well, I'll come back to the tripod. Did you know? I don't, I bet you don't even remember this. Or maybe you, you probably remember it. When I first had the idea of starting a podcast, I talked to you I about know. being on the podcast with me. He is the only person that's ever straight up stiff armed me on <laughs> wanting to be a podcast partner. He didn't ask I, you to read a book. Did I, he? <laughs> I wanted to. Believe me, I wanted to. I had other this obligations was, granted, I was working this on. We'll was get back into. before I knew what podcasts were. So like and last so, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't this would have been like 2015 or something. Right. It, it, was, it was years it, before he, it was. I was just like brainstorming. And we and, talked about it on the way to Idaho, too. We talked yes. about it. Yes. And so I was like, hey, let's we gotta start a podcast. Forrest is like, nope. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> is that it what was, I said? <laughs> it was just like Malachi Nichols when I asked him if he wanted to be a partner in a boat. And he was like, nope. <laughs> you know arm. what else, Forrest Teeter? I remember when I actually started the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast, I was talking to, just randomly talking to you about it on the phone, and you asked me what I was going to call it, and I said I wanted to call it the Bear Grease Podcast. Okay, Granted, like, ah, this was years ago. Forrest goes, nah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> did I say that? Yeah. You no, said, I didn't. You did? No. Yeah, I mean, yes. Did I really? Okay. Okay. You either just like totally agreed with me. I vividly remember you going, you don't want to have to remarket yourself. I, I may have presented to you Bear Hunting Magazine okay. or Bear Grease. Okay. And I vividly remember you going, nah, you don't want to do that. But perhaps you were agreeing <laughs> uh, with something I, I had said. Because, and I went with Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. Right. Hold, just hold on. This is going somewhere, Okay. <laughs> Because Bear Hunting Magazine podcast was such direct branding. I remember you saying, nah, you don't want to have to like convince people or tell them what Bear Grease is if you're trying to promote a magazine. Right. So it was like, let's just go straightforward marketing. This is the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. We produce Bear Hunting Magazine, okay? Because of that, <laughs> from this guy right here, the Bear Grease name was preserved. For such a time as this. <laughs> and see, that's what I because was thinking listen, when I said it. Let Release me tell you something hose. else. One time, the best dog name my family ever had. Okay, you know, I've got kids, family, wife, and like we talk about dogs. The best dog name oh, that we ever had. I bet I know it. Was we had the idea to name a dog Scout. Okay, we almost named our kids Scout, but we didn't. So I go drive 15 hours to go get a plot hound and my family is like we're naming this dog scout and i'm like whoa 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 we don't want to use the best name on a dog we know nothing about like you can't name the dog until you see it you understand it and i was like i don't want to use that name on a dog that is going to be of ill repute okay we get the dog and the dog doesn't work out the dog is no longer on Newcomb Farm, <laughs> and he got the name Scout. Ruined it. Mm. Are you with me? Should have named. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. The dog. The dog name is ruined. We can never go back and get that. Yeah. That would have happened if Forrest Teeter hadn't told me to not name my podcast Bear Grease. Thank you see you. what I'm saying? Thank you, Forrest. You're, you're welcome for that. You know, man. <laughs> yeah. This would be the Scout podcast. There we go. Okay, are you tracking with me? Oh, you should have just named the dog, dog Forrest. Name, your best dog name is Cheater. What happened to Cheater? Well, I mean, 
Cheater got stolen by some construction workers down oh, there. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, you're welcome well, I mean, for that. It, it, yeah. So, <laughs> so you you helped preserve the name Bear Grease for such a time as this. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Forrest is in the Navy, so Forrest has now made something of himself. He doesn't just like follow around like mm. people filming them. <laughs> Forrest, uh, dude, you just went to tell us about being in the Navy. Okay, so uh, I've. Relatively new to the Navy. I've been in two and a half years, I guess. I went to officer candidate school in uh, July of uh, September of 2018, and uh, native Arkansan, as most of y'all probably suspected, but went to Arkansas Tech, and uh, yeah, just kind of decided about halfway through college. Had a, had a good job, honestly, but it was kind of a, you remember I was catching birds and just kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm like, where does this trajectory go? There definitely was a future there, but it's like I needed to look at something else and you know explore my options, and uh, always been interested in aviation, but decided... I was just going to send it on trying to be a pilot in the military. The Navy kind of had the lowest standards at the time, which is uh, what I needed <laughs> what I needed for myself. So uh, I uh, explored my options there, got picked up. and uh, Now, okay, for you three over here, I'm pointing at Dan, Josh, and Brent. He's in the Navy, and that's boats and stuff, Okay, but he flies an airplane. Wow. Confusing. Clay, Clay still it took me, appreciate it, the It's time. taken me a while to figure that out. Yeah. And Clay still hasn't seen Top Gun, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. So oh, true story. Man. Wow. Come yeah. on. So yeah. anyway. Thanks to Gary Newcomb. He protected you from he <laughs> protected you from Scientology. High standards. <laughs> he put y'all to bed in the bank vault at night, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, so you fly like a incredible plane for the Navy. Right. Which is right. not a small thing. They don't just let anybody fly that thing, Dan. So Tell us what you fly. So I fly the the E six Mercury. It's a big uh, seven oh seven, big white plane, and uh, basically it's just. Uh, Do most pilots just when they're describing their plane tell the color? Uh, uh, it's it's unique in that most military aircraft are gray. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. So it's uh basically a relay aircraft to talk to the nuclear submarines that are under the water in case we have missiles inbound. We can uh, kind of provide that last line of defense for the wow. United States. So we're not operating over. Anywhere outside of the United States, really. We kind How of many pilots here. fly that one plane? Uh, I think we have... Well, no, like like in a plane. Like oh, if you were to walk out on the airstrip and take it up in the air, would you have to have another pilot with you? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a multi-piloted aircraft. So, generally wow. have three on board, and uh, that's going to be pilot, co-pilot, and then one who can kind of change out. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Hey, and the other thing, this guy's a heck of a hunter. Like, no doubt. Good hunter. Thank Good you. hunter. We're going to have Forrest play some music later. Oh, okay? nice. Hey, we got a lot of uh, very generous comments about the rendition <laughs> of old Slewfoot last yeah. time. Dad, you weren't here. Oh, what do yeah. you think? Oh, man, I tell you, it was impressive. Yeah? Yeah, yeah especially the guy on the cowbell. That, guy. <laughs> Dude, that cowbell. I had I actually had one the only like musical correction that I had was on the cowbell. Somebody was like, the dude on the cowbell needs to get on get on time. <laughs> and then I started listening to it and I was like, Yeah, he's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> hey Judy and I noticed things. Yeah. Right. At, at, the one, talent. at one point in the song I realized I was daydreaming. And I had to, I had to bring it back. Uh, he I was, was like, hypnotized. Oh. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So what we're going to do on this podcast is we're going to talk about moonshine, NASCAR, and bear hunting, the Bear Grease podcast that just came out. But before we do that, I I, I totally skipped over. I, every time I introduce all you guys, I want to like give just like a little nugget of information. And so, Brent, I got I, I, there's a couple of stories that I had to order. Okay, just like special order stories. Okay, so Brent Reeves. Yep. Tell me about uh, tell me about your dad and uh, the the coon dog they used to borrow. <laughs> you borrow in air quotes. Um, when my dad and my uncle, my dad passed away now, my uncle's still here, so I have to reassure him when I tell the story that the statute of limitations is out on dog napping. <laughs> <laughs> but this, my dad, this this would have been in the mid fifties. Mm. My dad was uh, probably 12, 13 years old, and my uncle, Jimmy Ray, would would have been, he's a few years younger, and they loved to coon hunt, and there was a man lived down the road who had a good coon dog. He also had a good job, and so instead of coon hunting all night, 
he he would work. You know, he were he he go to bed early. He work all day, go to bed early, and he'd hunt some on the weekends. But he had a real good dog, and apparently. My dad and my uncle thought that dog was going to waste, just laying out, <laughs> laying out there in the yard. Coon hides were pretty uh, valuable during that time, too. And they would go hunting with this man. But they tree a coon, they kill a coon. That man gets it's his dog. You know, he's shooting it. They're just little old boys going with him. So, I mean, you couldn't expect him to give him the coon hides. And you probably wouldn't have expected him to steal a dog during the week, but that's what they started doing. <laughs> They would slip up there after after he went to bed, and old dog was was tied up on a chain in the backyard. And you could said there was a nightlight you could see him. Said the old dog would just set up. He'd he'd look at them. They'd slip up there and they'd hide at the edge of the woods and they'd take turns. One of them would go up there and take the collar off the dog, put the collar back just the way it was, like the dog had slipped the collar. The dog would follow them. They'd go out in the woods. They'd tree. They go coon hunting. They got tired. They go back home. They, they just let the dog go, and he would go back and get in that <laughs> and get in that doghouse. Next morning, man, would wake up, go out there and feed his dog. He's laying in the house, and there's the collar is hooked back just like it was. How He's in thought, the world did he get out of that? He's collar? slipping that collar, you know. This dadgum dog. He said they did that for a week. About every other night, they did that. The last night they went up there to do it, probably the third or fourth time. He said, I, I send uh, my little brother up there, my uncle. This is dad telling the story. He said, little brother goes up there. and He crawls up there to cut the dog loose, and he comes crawling back real fast. And dad said, I thought maybe the man that woke up was coming outside. And he said, what's wrong? He said, we done, we done hunted this dog to death. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? He, said, he, he can't. we done made him sick. He can't breathe. He said, he's just hot. He's got pneumonia. He's coughing. And Dad said, I'll go up there and fix it, you know. So he crawls up there and said, the closer he got, the more he could hear that dog was. <laughs> he was struggling to breathe. And he's like, what in the world? We have tore this dog up. We have broke this dog. But so he crawled up there to get a better look. And that collar was so tight on that dog's neck <laughs> that he said if they would have took him that night, he don't think he would have been able to swallow get a, a drink of water the, ne- the next night. So the, the guy, the man was tightening that collar up every night. That dog was sleeping. Just it cinching it down one after the cinching other. Cinching it down. So they, uh, they quit stealing If I recall, it was a blue tick. It was a blue tick. Wow. Yeah. Shocker. It was a blue tick. Man, that's great. Perfect. Hey, now for the... Uh, Y'all, y'all like these introductory stories? Yes. This is great. And I didn't even tell the real story about Forrest losing my tripod on the side of the mountain in Idaho. That's the main thing that I've ribbed Forrest about since 2014, well, 17. 27. It's been half it, a decade. Okay, listen. Here's a treasure hunt for you. If somebody can go bring me back my tripod. Uh, <laughs> they get a spot on the Bear Grease render. No doubt. <laughs> it's like the golden <laughs> ticket right there. If, yeah. if you... If you can find, and I would identify it, and I would just be honest about it. Hmm. If you can tell me on a map where that was, and this excludes everybody who was involved in the hunt, because there was a houndsman involved, I will fly you to Arkansas to be on the Bear Grease podcast <laughs> if you can return that tripod to me. We, we treat this lion, and we come off the mountain. It was a terrible hike up. Took two hours to hike up. Oh, yeah. And we come out well after dark. We're like walking in the dark. We didn't have flashlights. Mm-hmm. And we get back down to the truck. And the next day, I'm like, Forrest is my cameraman. I'm like, where's the tripod? And he's like, you had it. And I'm like, no, I didn't have it, Forrest. This is your job. So the tripod is still probably standing up on three probably legs so, yeah. at the base of a big old fir tree yep. that at one time had a lion in it. I guarantee it. Um, yeah, Forrest got fired and he never amounted to anything. Get this, get this. He still paid me. Clay took a net loss on that one because I, I got took a net loss. He wrote me a check for like one hundred fifty dollars. I'm like, all right. Yep, yep. Um, I do have to. Uh, Meat Eater just came out with a campfire stories audio book. If you like stories, like you just heard, man, they went all out. It's a six hour audio book called. Uh, Campfire Stories from Meat Eater. You can buy it anywhere you buy audiobooks. Random House is the one that cool. officially published it. But basically, in all the travels of Meat Eater, they gathered up lots of stories. I mean, I, I don't know if it's like 
10 or 15 or 20 stories, they have the person that the story happened to tell the story. People are like super excited about it. So as of July 20th, you can buy that book anywhere you buy audio books. You know, it's an audio book. So check that out. Meteor Campfire Stories. And you can also find that <clears throat> on TheMeatEater.com where they have their books. Sweet. It's pretty cool. There's one Sounds story. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a teaser for one story. And I heard this story directly from, uh, well, it's from Steve Rinella. He's the one that recruited the story. But this is the way that it went. Is somewhere out west in one of the southwestern states, there was a, a, a poaching deal where a bunch of elk were getting killed and they were being shot with small caliber rifles and not recovered. Just like, just like shooting an elk and just leaving it. This happened a lot. And so they called in the New Mexico Game and Fish to come in and they did all this uh, investigation. And finally they felt like they had a pin on the guy who was doing it. They didn't know who he was. They just knew like what kind of truck he drove and stuff. This game warden is out one night and he encounters the poacher and they get in a road race, just an absolute road race wherever they're at. It's New Mexico, Arizona. The poacher gets out ahead of him and just disappears, just outruns the game warden. The game warden comes to a Y in the road and he has to make a decision on which way the poacher went. The game warden pulls into this Y and there's a big mud hole. And from his truck, he decides that a car has not been through that mud hole. So he pulled up to the mud hole. And then he decides that a car hadn't been there, so he backs out and he takes the left fork. End of story. They never catch the guy, ever. Fifteen years later, some some extended period of time later, a guy gets arrested for like a streak of murders. Perhaps it was just one or two murders, but a guy gets arrested for murder. And they've got him in the interrogation room, and he just starts spilling his guts about all the stuff he's ever done bad. And he tells the investigator that he killed a bunch of elk. And he used to just shoot them and leave them lay, like a bunch of elk. So this is recorded that this man said this. Well, they go ahead and contact the Game and Fish and say, hey, we got a guy here that's about to go to prison for murder that says he killed a bunch of elk. The Game Warden, who's still... A game warden goes and says, well, I'd like to interview the guy. I need to talk to this guy. Goes, and this is, again, this is years later, maybe decades later. The guy, the game warden is sitting across from this murderer and says, tell me about your elk. And the guy just starts laying out all the places he killed elk. And this, this game warden knows that this is the guy he was after for all those years. He doesn't tell him. The guy then says... One of your boys almost got killed. I mean, I don't know how he said it. He said, basically, I spared one of your boys' lives one night back, and he told where it was. And the guy goes, tell me more. And he says, I've gotten a, a game warden started chasing me down the road, came to a Y. I went through the mud hole because I knew that the guy would be able to tell that I went through the mud hole. He went through the mud hole turned his truck into the woods, got out and had an Uzi. And he was shooting those elk with an Uzi. Wow. And he said, I got behind a bush about five feet after that mud hole. And I was sitting there. And when he and when that officer came to the mud hole, I was going to just mow him down. Wow. And the game warden is the one who was in the truck. Wow. He's sitting there interviewing the guy. And, uh, and he never told him. Oh, really? Really? He never. He never said that was me. But uh, it, it was, and it's just a hair raising. Yeah, for real. Well, why didn't he shoot him? Well, he didn't. The, he didn't the game go, warden pulled up to the mud hole, and this trained game warden who yeah. clearly he he perceived that no car had driven through the mud, so he turned around and went the other way. 
But if it was um, anyway, it appeared to me he was close enough to shoot him. Well, just the way it worked out, like the guy was gonna just wait until he came right okay. past him and just shoot I him. I got you. I thought you were gonna say out. it turned out it was that same grandma that was sweeping the floor. Real hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was the guy from East Tennessee. <laughs> grandma killed him. What a story! Uh, what a story! So that's the kind of stories that are on. Wow. That's just one of them, and there's like firefighters almost getting killed with fires coming in on them. People getting saved from drowning uh lots of hypothermia stories wild hi- hypothermia is like you ain't gonna get one of them stories from in here today it's a little warm isn't <laughs> no it? hypothermia the hypothermia stories are like really wild um people do start doing crazy stuff yeah. Yeah. like terminal i've heard steve talk about terminal burrowing when people get hypo, hypothermia, they feel like they can dig into the ground and just ball up, and they end up basically digging their own grave. Wow. Mm. And there's a story about a man who did that but survived. But So Campfire Stories, maybe uh, check it out. Clay, I, I always remember the only thing that you get anxious about is drowning. Yeah, it's true. You had a close call once. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's the only yeah. thing I, I, I ever hear you talk about with like fear and reverence. Like, I don't want to get in that because it, uh, I think it's fast moving water, man. Yep. I'll tell that story another day. Yeah. Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it and take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Here's a simple but meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. A digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pictures of all the things that they can't be there for, from family vacation to their grandkids' graduation. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BEAR. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code BEAR. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, what did y'all think of episode two? I think it stepped up. You know, the previous ones were probably a five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking. We're probably might even be hitting six territory now. Yeah, it was, mm, it was pretty, pretty racy. It was pretty racy, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd label that one as PG. Yeah. Hey, I don't. I don't know if anybody caught it, and I don't necessarily want to bring attention to it. Did any of you guys hear a, a word that yep. typically wouldn't be said in my podcast? Did you catch it? I don't think so. Okay. If Gary didn't catch it, then that's all I care about. To this day, I'm you know a grown man. All I care about is my dad not hearing somebody cuss. <laughs> oh, I didn't around. hear that. Oh, really? I didn't hear it. 
Did I you not? It, I thought it was you were. Man, my squirrel dog's got a squirrel treat <laughs> out here. Can y'all hear him barking? I oh, thought yeah. it was. No, uh, nobody heard Mr. Roy Clark call his dog. A oh, I did hear that. Classic I did hear name. That. I did oh, hear that. yeah, but that, I mean. Yeah. In that context, he I used it, it in the out. correct vernacular. Yeah, I thought that was a technical did you hear term. It, it yeah. absolutely is. Yeah. Okay, so y'all didn't even, y'all didn't even think about do that. Do you no. use that term? Do you, do you I, say I that? say jip. Oh, uh, okay. Jip? Jip. But where does that come from? In the term that he used, I mean, that that word has been prostituted from that to be. Oh yeah! A, oh yeah! A bad no, word. it's it's. I didn't have any problems, but when I let Misty listen to it, she was like, "Oh, you're gonna leave okay. that in there?" Because, <laughs> because I really do. I have, I have uh, boys. We have gained the trust of people that let their uh, kids listen to our podcast, and that's oh, something I take very serious. That's sure. great. Yeah, um, at the same time, like the podcast is not necessarily like for kids. I mean, I got to get this dog to be quiet. <laughs> That could be some of the best discussion we have right there. What's that? This dog barking. Oh, yeah. yeah We've we got to get that dog shut up. Um, no, I, I take it very serious that people can – I mean, I, I hear it all the time, and that's what I wanted. That, that, that's been my issue with some other things I listen to is, like, I, I got to be careful with the kids in the car because I, I just don't sure. want them to hear foul language or anything. Yeah. And so – but it makes my day. It makes – like, if I go to Roy Clark's house – I want to hear him. I want to hear him say that when he's talking about his dogs. Makes my day. Why? I it just I just like it. Just he just not think a thing about it. <laughs> he just he just said it without skipping a beat. That I was like, oh yeah, that's normal. Yeah, absolutely normal. I just wondered if anybody caught that. No, what highlight, Josh, of the podcast? Yeah. The, Man, the, so the the second part, moonshine NASCAR bear hunting. It was kind of racy. It was racy, and I I actually didn't know all that about NASCAR. I thought uh-uh. that was terribly interesting. Yes, yeah. them trying to outrun the fuzz. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, and then and then the part at the end. I don't know if you know the whole snake handling thing. That was, Ooh, that was pretty wild. Yeah, that uh, you know you hear a lot about that, and uh, just to to uh, have that around people's culture, like there were certain groups of people that that was completely normal. Yeah, you know, to the to this day. Yeah. Now he said that that started in the twentieth century, early twentieth. Is that what he said? Or early nineteenth. Um, I I want to say that the 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 most of it started in the early nineteen hundreds. No, that's a purely American thing. Does that that's happen right. elsewhere? Nope. That's okay. what he said. He said snake handling and churches for you know ceremony is like new. Dan, how did I handle that? Because listen, I did not want to. Like I said it on the podcast, like I strongly believe in religious freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I wasn't like trying to say these people are crazy. Yeah. I mean, man. Yeah. So, but, but at the same time, I've been highly aware of not stereotyping people or painting a picture that is untrue mm-hmm. because that's really easy to do. So on both podcasts, if you recall, I said, hey, I want you to know that Appalachia is a very diverse number one it's not all white people number two it's a very modern part of the country it's not like everybody lives in like a log cabin i mean you know on the first one i said there's there's swanky coffee shops and target super center i was trying to think of the most like urban things i could think of but but so i didn't want to stereotype the snake handling churches definitely is a stereotype but i was very interested in it so i talked to him how did how did i do i thought you handled it great i mean i think there's the, a place to say this is happening and kind of why it's happening without necessarily making a judgment call on it. Yeah. Uh, but as you're exploring their culture and talking about different things, that's a, especially people closely tied to the land. So much of what they do is physical, tangible activities. They don't just sit around at coffee shops and talk about their feelings. Yeah. They're harvesting tobacco or they're bear hunting or they're doing whatever. And this is another material manifestation of their culture in church. Yeah. Um, well, and if it's yeah. a, yeah, a part of it, I mean, why skip over yeah. something that's, yeah. that's there. And the other thing, I do think that it's been, I do think there were times when that was probably more authentically done. Hmm. And then some of this new stuff, and I've not, I've seen small documentaries on it. And it's just, to me, it's just clear that this is sensation. Like they're trying to look sensational. And I, I mean, I, I think we have the right to, at least say what we think. Yeah. As I, and so that I didn't, I didn't want to foster that. Like, but at the same time, there was some parts of it that were, 
that were pretty interesting. At some point, that probably started with some form of, it's hard to imagine, but like kind of good or even neutral intentions. Yeah. And then it became, you know, a lot of people are going to. Dad, did you ever hear about snake handling churches anywhere? Oh, yeah. 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 Did you ever, did they ever, did you ever know that to be done in the in Arkansas? No, no, no. Only on documentaries that you see on TV. Yeah. And uh, very intriguing. And the thing that intrigued me, if I understood it right, was people that would go document this stuff sometime would get caught up yeah. in that movement. And I'm like going, you got to be kidding me. So there is tremendous power in this activity be whatever power it comes from i mean it it captivated educated people yeah kind of like a uh, stockholm syndrome you know mm, where you identify with your when you identify with your kidnappers if you were there for such a long period of time like patty hurst is a famous yeah. example of that she was kidnapped by some faction uh a grand was a granddaughter to the hurst uh, yeah. fortune i think and uh, she was with them so long uh, that she started helping them rob banks. You know what I mean? She was <laughs> yeah. like, deal me in, boys. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you see it everywhere. Also that, you know, people are, it's almost like a high they get from doing things that are life-threatening. Yeah. Sure. Skydivers yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I think that oh, yeah. it, people experience that sensation of, of encountering a life-threatening situation and walking away unscathed the, the old saying is you never live until you almost die you know, i think tim is. mcgraw said that wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he did. oh live like yeah, man. yeah. but i mean i have found that to be yeah you know yeah true yeah. it does make sense because you got a group of people they're meeting i'm you know i'm assuming weekly they're doing it in person it's a big group they're engaged in a tangible physical activity there's risk involved but it happens in a socially sanctioned and kind of approved way, at least in their community. Just those factors right there, a lot of people in an, in an urban setting are not going to have that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going, what they're, that for them is they're going to work and they're just doing it to get paid. You know, maybe they enjoy their job, but you can, you can see the draw, even though, you know, you, Personally, I might think I'm I'm never going to do that, nor nor would I feel the need to or or condone mm-hmm. it. But m- kind of socially, the mechanics make sense of it. Yeah, Forrest, what stood out to you about it? Um, I guess part of what you said about not the, not the, not necessarily snake handling. We can right. move on. Just the um, podcast in general. Probably the thing that that I really took note of the most, or I guess what kind of made me question myself and my own beliefs, was the part number one about the. Uh, metaphor that your family made about, hey, if your kids were dealing meth, would you, you know, be beholden mm-hmm. to these people? Is that honorable to to protect those people and, and to not dole them out? And that kind of thing really stood out to me because it, it puts an interesting question. Number one, if obviously legal doesn't necessarily equal moral or ethical for that matter. So people that don't really have good opportunities to make money for their family, I mean, who's to say that any of us in that situation, hey, we got to put food on the table. Are we going to run moonshine? Are we going to mm. do things that we normally wouldn't? Because when it comes down to it, you have responsibilities to your family. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say without being in that situation what you do, but it definitely kind of can pull you two different directions. Yeah. So. What did y'all think about my grandpa story? Very Houston good. Millsap. You know, and you. And you I want to ask dad about Houston. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. What were you going to say, Brandon? Well, you just, you mentioned that, you know, that it wasn't uncommon. You know, yeah. Where we, yeah. I have a extended family member who would have uh, in the thirties when he got caught. Uh, he went to the federal penitentiary in New Jersey, hmm. and it the it's kind of a funny story how he got caught. While I mean, he went to prison for um for making moonshine, the reason he got caught was a pair of overalls, <laughs> and he, this guy was like lighting. Tell me more. This guy was like Carl Lewis, man. I we're mean, trying to we're trying to get not, an overall sponsorship on this podcast. Could, if Liberty Overalls will sponsor this podcast, Liberty we Key will sell take anybody. more overalls than you ever knew you could make. You cannot. You couldn't catch this guy on foot. You couldn't catch him on a motorcycle. Where did this take place? In South Arkansas, in Cleveland County. Okay. 
Panther country. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was fast. They say he was Ooh. fleet of foot. Mm. And the revenues have tried to catch this cat two or three different times. Cat. And they couldn't. You see cat, the parlay. I just threw that subliminal. In there. <laughs> so subtle. So but, subtle. Uh, they couldn't catch him. I mean, they'd get after him. He'd outrun him. Of course, he knew the woods and the lay of the land. He'd just move his steel. And one morning, they laid out there. And he started, he was out there cooking, getting the fire going, and the old morning constitution hit. Uh-oh. And they literally caught him with his overalls down. Mm. That's the only way they could catch him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say only. they baited him with a pair of overalls, no. <laughs> like a clothes hanger. Like he a, saw like a, a crisp, way. shiny new <laughs> pair of overalls. He couldn't get them up and get gone. Really? And, and they got him. And that's how they caught him. I'll be darned. A footnote to that story. His job in the federal penitentiary in New Jersey, wherever it was located, was making moonshine for the warden and all the admin staff. <laughs> <laughs> he fed chickens and made whiskey in the in the penitentiary. Really? Wow. Yep. That wow. Was wow. Job. Wow. Wow. Dad. Okay. I vividly that you heard me tell the story. Yeah, I heard it. I heard now it. we called. So Houston Millsap is my mother's father. So he died when I was in the eighth grade. So that would have been like. I don't know, mid nineties he died. So I have real strong memories of we called him Peepaw. Peepaw. I had I have like, you know, he was like a, I have real vivid memories of him. And I and great memories of him. Yeah. But he was always sick. He 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 had a stroke and he, he never was well the my whole life. But uh I vividly remember dad telling me that you know, dad was looking for something good to say about about old people, and he would say he was honest to a fault. What What do you remember about Houston? Well, I remember a lot about him. I mean, uh, when I would pick Judy up when I was in college, I remember one time I was barefooted, and he <laughs> he never let me live that down. <laughs> you, you trying to marry my daughter? You ain't got shoes. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, well, people, I always admired him. I'll tell you, be honest with you. He he was um, he had a few faults like all of us do, but he was very honest. He didn't try to hide anything. He was up front. And when I go back to a sixteen-year-old boy and some of the stuff y'all have already talked about, uh, Forrest alluded to it a little bit. But you know, if if you're in a moonshine culture, in your uncles, your aunts, your dad, your mother, your I mean, you go run moonshine, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that simple. I don't care if it's Billy Graham. He's going to run some moonshine because it's it's in your little culture, that's okay. And and the penalty is going to prison, you know. So anyway, Peepaw, um, you know, the culture that he was raised up in was you don't squeal on anybody, mm-hmm. you know. The culture I was raised up in was don't get involved in stuff that you got to worry about yeah. being, you know. <laughs> so, right. so yeah. to me, it's like a big deal. But you know, hey, I, I was in this other little culture, so hey, he ain't gonna squeal, and I admired him for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget this mess stuff you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. in his situation back yep. then, it's you know, it's real easy to go back thirty, forty years and criticize people. Yeah. The people doing the criticizing, if they were there. They'd be doing the same stuff. Right. Historical revision is what that's called. Is that's what it's called. Well, Peepaw was a fine man. Yeah. I tell you, he had a fine family, and Meemaw was like the queen of queens. Mm-hmm. I mean, this lady was unbelievable. And for her to pick Peepaw, and, I mean. Natalie so, Millsap. So Natalie, Natalie was like. Yeah. You know, I want to I, I justify why I said what I said. I stand by a hundred percent of what you said. Like I, I think it was honorable that he didn't rat him out. Both two women in my life that are very influential told me the same story separately. You yeah. know, mom, yeah. mom said, "I understand it." Mom said, "Hey, I don't know that that's something to be celebrated," and and they were a little bit hesitant of me telling the story, right? And uh, but I, I just had to tell the story. And uh, and I did take the the most feedback that I got specific feedback was people saying that it wasn't fair to compare moonshine to meth and and I 
I, I'm 100% on board with that. Sure, sure. Really? Because, True. because meth has never been legal. And, 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 you know, there was just a short period in human history where making liquor was illegal, mm-hmm. you know. And so basically, basically they were like, Clay, that's not apples to apples. Yeah. Because meth is like, I mean, it's possible to, you know, consume alcohol and be and not be a drug head. Yeah. I mean, like, but if you're doing any kind of meth, you're in big trouble. So I get that. And I wasn't trying to make a heart. I was just trying to, because that was a new thought to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just because I'm saying it doesn't make it right. That's just what I believe, and you're not going to change my mind. Yeah. Now, like, one other thing I Panther. wanted to say, and I did not have the opportunity, when, when Roy said, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle, and their friends stayed drunk all the time. I mean, that like set me back. So you look at generations of people. I had a guy do this one time for a group of people. He said, Uncle so-and-so raised his family this way, and look what happened. Uncle so-and-so did it this way, and look what happened. And he drew it down. He went through gen- So most of the people in that group might have followed the uncle dad yeah and, and then, then you see this destruction women children mm. families then you got guys like roy clark that goes hey man yes i don't want any part of that yeah my grandmother would say she would not let me get this right she would not put a thief in her mouth to steal her brains my dad said mm. It was okay to let him run around in there a little bit. Just don't take the handcuffs off of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. oh, no. Uh, oh, me. You, yeah, Gary, you know, what I really liked is that moment where Roy is, and I, I can't remember the exact details, but he's talking uh, to you, but in the room is the grandson of the the gentleman who wrote him the Valentine and said, yes, we're bear hunters, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and from what I, from what I, tr- I got was that the Roy in that moment looked over at that grandson and basically affirmed him yeah. and said, this guy's a stand up guy, no yep. matter what. And that to me is the embodiment of, of what you're saying, Gary, which is like Roy decided he's going to do it different. Yeah. And as he looked around at him and he saw a man doing something right, man, I affirm that. And that guy, he's what did he say about? He said he's, he loved him for it. Yeah, he, he said, loved him. He said that boy right there won't leave you, and I loved him for it. Yeah, yep, and that I, boy, and I love him for it. Yep. And you know, think about all those men who had left Roy, and he yep. said, "I don't want to be that way." And then he's now looking at the younger generations and saying yes to that. And and yeah. in it, you know, at the same time, he's saying no to something else, which I, is I that's think a one of the things thing. I, I I saw in. Mr. Roy is that, um, you know, it really wasn't about the drinking or not drinking. He had an awareness of patterns that yeah. he chose to steer clear of. He, yeah. he said, I, I know, I know that that, you know, I, and I really don't think, and I, I know for me, it's not about drinking or not drinking. It's about understanding how the patterns are and generation, generational continuance. I believe someone can, can drink moderately and have great kids. But you have to be aware. It really comes down to awareness. So yeah. I, I appreciated the fact that because well, because he had to see something in them that he didn't want yeah. and adjust his life accordingly. And, and, and Mr. Roy did something that's very hard. He, he, he broke something that was not common for people to be able to break, like to be able to have that kind of awareness and just do a 90-degree turn. Oh, yeah. And, hey, that's the reason that podcast is about Roy Clark. I, I had I, I had a few one person in particular that wrote me and 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 he missed the whole point of everything I was doing because he tried to tell me that there were better bear hunters than Roy Clark that I could have done a podcast with and I mean and I I took liberty to like smack the guy upside the head <laughs> I really did it wasn't somebody I knew it was like. Because I was just like, was Dude. it Malachi? It was Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no. Was not and basically, I I feel the liberty to highlight. Like nobody's perfect. I mean, like James Lawrence isn't perfect. Roy Clark isn't perfect. Gary Newcomb isn't perfect. 
But the people that I highlight have some level of character. And that is something that I that I deeply value. What and, about uh, Brent? <laughs> Brent is right on the edge. He said he's a professional liar. <laughs> yeah. Brent is teetering you, on man, the edge. I identified so much with what he was talking about and how emotion, emotional he got. Yeah, wasn't oh, that man. something when he cried? I was talking, I got a friend in England, Adam Dean, that listens to our other podcast. This guy has such a passion for all the stuff that we do, and there are no coons in the United Kingdom. There ain't enough coon dogs in England to fill up that dog pen right out there, but he absolutely loves it. And he and I were talking the other day, back and forth, and he said, he said, you know, you described coon hunting so eloquently to me. And I'm like, well, I'm going to need to hear this back. What did I say? He said, well, you told me that, you know, coon hunting wasn't, coon hunting wasn't at the tree. Coon hunting was everything before and everything after. And, and he's right. You know, it's, it's me sitting out in the backyard with my watching my coon dog and my little girl run around the backyard or my wife come home from Texas the other day with a bow tie for this dog to wear around. <laughs> and this dog is just it that's the whole thing, the whole embodiment of it. And that's what I got out of Mr. Roy's passion and the how emotional he was about it. Man, I I, I get it. Yeah. And if you get it, the guy that wrote you the story or that wrote you the note about there are better bear hunters out there, they may be more successful in numbers bear hunters out there probably but there probably ain't no better one than that yeah and he you know he, he missed it. what i appreciated about Roy. so i went back from an old podcast like that i took that that conversation out of context and played it and roy never gave a second thought to him breaking down into tears in front of there were 20 people in that room like in the podcast, there were four guys that had headsets on. There were 20 people. It was like a live recording, like neighbors, grandkids. And they, and, and I actually thought, you know, I wonder if Roy's going to say, hey, don't put that on there. That embarrassed me. <laughs> it never occurred to him. Like, he just, he just is what he is. And that's, that's powerful. Especially in a culture that defines manhood in all these false ways. Sure. I mean, for a man, for a grown man to be able to look across a room and call somebody out and break into tears, and then immediately jump back in to talking about bear dogs. To me, that's a <laughs> where does that happen? That's so rare. Emotion, uh, like that's yeah. that that's good. Well, yeah. that grand the, the the son, the guy that got on there and it, it said, "See how important it is to us." Yeah. Put in that same position, I could see that guy doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he just scripted out for everybody in that room that looked up to him that, hey, this is, it's okay to, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have, to, to express affection for someone. And not just it's okay, but at, as Roy Clark, I am a man and this is how you be a man. Yeah. yeah. It's not just yeah. permit, it's not okay, you can do that, but if you're going to be a man, this is how you be a man. Yeah. Another thing he said that, it, similar to what you know, Gary, about maybe the negative side of keeping people around, but I, I liked it anyway. He, he said, you know, if this is a, if you want to have, if you want to make money, this is a terrible place yeah. to, to live and do life. But if you want to have a close family, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, yeah. Yeah. There, he said, I believe there's no better place in the world. And I think just that value of he knows what's important to him, yep. and he goes about building his family that way. And so he structured his life in particular ways to make that happen. That's the that's the 90-degree turn from yeah. the popular culture, yeah. which yeah. is what you're going to – you, you got to get – an education and you got to get a job and you yeah. got to get a two car garage. And I mean, I've got two, I've got a ton of education, but I still want to have a family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the, I thought Dr. Dr. Pierce did a good job of d showing a balanced perspective. Dr. Pierce has a book called, uh, uh, corn, uh, what's it called? Corn from a corn from a jar corn from a jar and it's about moonshiners and he says in the book that his point was to humanize moonshiners which was interesting because i came into it not wanting to glorify it i just wanted to tell the story and uh and he i think he gave a really balanced good view 
like you'd learn something listening to that. I thought he did a good job. The NASCAR stuff was cool. Fascinating. Anyway, I, the the podcast to me, I mean, I loved it. What's so cool about this is I'm I'm researching the stuff that I'm interested in. So like I could have made that podcast and like nobody heard it and me just listened to it and I would have I would have loved it. It's like all all stuff that I'm like super interested in. But the big question is, would you listen to this podcast? The render? <laughs> yeah. With these stories? Oh yeah. Woo. Forrest, get your guitar out. All right. What are you gonna what are you gonna sing us? Uh, well, I hope my guitar is still in tune first of all, but I picked a song that uh has a lot of layers here relative to what we talked about and just the, the render in general. This is a song uh, written by Jimmy Driftwood in 1959, recorded by Doc Watson in 1966. All right, let's hear it. What's it called? It's called Tennessee Stud. Oh, this is going to be good. Around about 1825, I left Tennessee very much alive. Never would have made it through the Arkansas mud If I hadn't been a-riding on the Tennessee stud Had some trouble with my sweetheart's paw One of her brothers was a bad outlaw Is that some of your kin, Brent? Wrote her a letter by my Uncle Fudd And I rode away on the Tennessee stud Tennessee stud was long and lean, the color of the sun, and his eyes were green. He had the nerve and he had the blood, and there never was a horse like the Tennessee stud. That's right. Drifted on down into no man's land, across that river called the Rio Grande. I raced my horse with a Spaniard's foal till I got me a skin full of silver and gold. Me and the gambler, we couldn't agree We got in a fight over Tennessee We drew our guns and he fell with a thud And I rode away on the Tennessee stud The Tennessee stud was long and lean The color of the sun and his eyes were green He had the nerve and he had the blood And there never was a horse like the Tennessee stud Got just lonesome as a man can be Dreaming of my girl in Tennessee The Tennessee stud's green eyes turned blue Cause he was a-dreaming of a sweetheart too We loped right back across Arkansas I whooped her brother and I whooped her paw That's right, no relation <laughs> I found that girl with the golden hair And she was a-riding on the Tennessee mare Tennessee mayor. Tennessee stud was long and lean, the color of the sun, and his eyes were green. He had the nerve and he had the blood, and there never was a horse like the Tennessee stud. Stirrup to stirrup and side by side, we crossed the mountains and the valleys wide. Came to Big Muddy and we forded the flood on the Tennessee mayor and the Tennessee stud. Pretty little baby on the cabin floor, a little horse called playing round the door. I love that girl with the golden hair and the Tennessee stud, love the Tennessee mayor. Tennessee stud was long and lean, the color of the sun, and his eyes were green. He had the nerve and he had the blood, and there never was a horse like the Tennessee stud. Right on. There we go. Awesome. Boy, that's great. Perfect. 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 Good stuff. That is a thank, that thank is you. a heck of a song. Yeah. You know what? So many layers to I that one. I grin from ear to ear every time I hear Arkansas in a song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I cannot help it. I'm like, I love it. Yeah, when you told awesome me pick one, us. have one of mine, I was like, I know the one. You knew it. It's got you know it. Equines, got Arkansas, <laughs> got Tennessee. It's hard, yeah, to, it's hard to rhyme Arkansas. Like, <laughs> broke yeah. jaw. Well, hey, thanks a ton, guys. Thank each and every one of you. This has been a good render. 
and keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live and that's where we get bear groups. <laughs>